Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest, Anna Toomey, Senior Director of Healthcare in the Americas at SSNC Blue Prism. I will be talking with Anna about the current hottest automation trends in the healthcare industry. Now, Anna has been on the podcast several times in the past. So let me just say, welcome back, Anna. Why don't you reintroduce yourself before we get started? Thanks for having me back. I'm excited about what's happening in healthcare. I just got back from HIMSS, from the sessions there. I'm the Senior Director of Healthcare for SSNC Blue Prism, and I work with all of the clinical groups, the life science groups, and the payer groups that position our tools as part of their intelligent automation suite. Awesome. Well, you mentioned that you're fresh off of the HIMSS conference, and for those out there who are not familiar with it, it's the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. Boy, that's a mouthful. And I, and I realize that is one of the major conferences in healthcare. How many people attend that, by the way? This year, we had a little over 40,000. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah. Prior to the shutdown of COVID, it had actually gone up to closer to 60 or 80,000 that would gather oh for goodness. the international conference once a year. Quite a large gathering and some of the biggest names that you can imagine in healthcare. So... This was an opportunity for us to get to see holistically what the vision is looking like post-pandemic, or I don't really say post-pandemic because it's, you know, it's still going on and everything, but it's not in the heat of the moment. And we're taking mm -hmm. lessons learned from that episode of care and applying those to the areas that need it most, I think. So we were able to see some of that happening. Well, one of the benefits of going to a conference like this and having a booth and getting to go to presentations and talk with companies is you come back with a pretty good sense of the key themes and hottest trends in automation and specifically for healthcare companies of different varieties. So give us your kind of recap, if you could, on what were some of the big topics, some of the things companies are interested in or struggling with or combination. Love to hear your summary thoughts on what you uh, picked up. Well, I picked up so much information about what is going out there. And you're right. It helps us know, one, if we're kind of on the right path with trending and intelligent automation, what areas of automation are going to meet the demand of the healthcare industry. Uh, so it's kind of a point check for us as a company to take a look at that. But we're also seeing the business needs out there as far as people coming around and saying, what do you have for this or what do you have for that? But then there was also this one area that called the innovation and startup area. I've spent a lot of time walking around and looking at that. And there were clear themes that arose from that as well. The three key things that were takeaways from the conference that I saw was that artificial intelligence was driving so many 
of the different ads and names and everything. And so I would walk by and I would be like, what do you do with artificial intelligence? So there was a lot of AI and I did a little session there about intelligent automation with the I being in front of the A, meaning intelligence is supplied by the human to drive the initiatives that are a part of AI, ML, natural language processing, and that altogether that really targets the entire spectrum of things that are out there that are so leading in the industry right now. But I did see a lot of AI and machine learning, new things coming up. The second theme that we saw clearly reflected was telehealth and remote patient monitoring. That has been on the horizon for quite some time, even back to 2010, 2014 timeframe. I recall dealing with some of the very first telemedical sessions and setting up the interoperability of that. Now it has really hit the spotlight and many, many more offices are starting to manage their patient care, both before and after care, using the telemedical side of things. And the third that I just briefly mentioned was interoperability. I recall conversations on that back in, in 2001, 2002, where systems were just so enclosed and non-interoperable with each other. We started looking for avenues of interoperability, and that's kind of opened up now with the new technologies that are provided by SSNC, Blue Prism as well. Those are three really good topics. I could see us spending a whole podcast on each one, but let's go back to them and just take them one at a time and give us a little bit more detail about what you heard and saw and, and how automation can play a role in them. I got really excited about talking about the artificial intelligence and going from vendor to vendor and saying, okay, how is AI playing out in your new device or in your new solution? And I, I saw so many variations, but all of it fit with the models because now that we have a full stack of intelligent automation tools and our capabilities in that, it just enhances everything that they said. So I saw AI-driven clinical care pathways, which is exciting to me. That is where apps can actually suggest care options, clinical care options for the physicians based on the model of the patient that's sitting in front of them. For example, a patient submits and has a certain number of ailments or comorbidities, and AI is working in the background to pull maybe 6,000 or more other patients and say, what are the like symptoms? And then come back and give to the physician care pathways with affordability based on patient profiles. So this kind of stuff is getting really leading edge as to the economic status and the ability to afford better care options and or finding clinical trials that are out there that have not been brought to the forefront. So not only suggesting their current path that the doctor has given them of care, but maybe if there comes a cost factor that is associated with that and the patient says, I just can't afford that right now. I'd really like to get that done, but I just can't afford that. Then there's other options that may be more affordable with similar or better outcomes. And using AI to differentiate that, what has worked with this set of patients and, that, and, and this personal patient was really interesting to me. I saw devices. I saw a wide range of devices, uh, wearables many of which are being incorporated into the wristband type wearables that we already have. We already have with our Fitbit, the ability to do blood pressure and pulse and oxygen level. Now we're adding caloric intake, weight and BMI directly to our wristbands. 
But then I saw one that really struck an interest with me, and it was where you could test your pulmonary function test. Now, a pulmonary function test is for lung patients or for patients that maybe are just having breathing issues, and they want to know exactly what's going on with their lungs. Maybe it's allergies. Maybe it's actually pulmonary restriction or something in the arteries that are going on with their lungs. Mm-hmm. Now they would have to schedule a test, go into the outpatient facility, spend a whole day doing the outpatient tests, and for the cost of about a $1,500 to $2,000 for the cost of care to get that done, one device has been created. And just by coughing three times into the area that your mobile phone can pick up on, it will give you within seconds a pulmonary reading of what exactly is going on with your lungs, any conditions and guidelines for treatment and results. As I was talking to the gentleman, he said, this will just be another item on your band that you can click on and say, I want to do this test, just like we do our ECGs. I use mine for ECGs all the time. If I want to check something with my heart, we now have the ability to click on our mobile device and check on our our lung capacity. And of course, the results being sent back to the patient record is something that our digital workers do all the time is the collection of information directly from these patients and transferring that back to the patient record so that the physician Mm. is aware that they actually did those tests. Just with me talking about those new expanded ideas that were all brought to bear, that leads right into why the huge uptick in telehealth is happening, right? Yeah. Everything you described to me would seem to be foundational to doing telehealth. There's one new doctor I started seeing in the last year, and he won't even see me in person. He is 100% telehealth, (laughs) which I was a little taken back at initially. Now, having met with him a couple times, wow, it's super convenient. And I didn't feel like it was diminished at all. I felt like he spent good quality time with me. And if I had to send him any kind of data or readings or what have you, I, don't, I wouldn't have seen any issue with doing so. I agree with you. I, I do the same thing. I'm always a busy person and many, many times I'm right here at my desk. So I have a doctor I've been seeing for over a year. Hers is fully automated. It sends me my request and says, your appointment's coming up tomorrow. I just click in whenever it's time. And she asked for my readings, just like I was just Mm -hmm. talking about. I give her all my vital signs because that's fairly easy. I know for some, it's going to be an adjustment moving to that methodology. But Mm -hmm. like you said, after you've done it a few times, you actually have her attention or his attention more time than you would if you were all having to go through setting the appointment, going into the office and spending time there. And, And that's why we're seeing more and more that the hospital of the future is beyond the walls of a healthcare facility. Mm -hmm. You will see more and more, and you'll hear me talk all the time about Hospital of the Future because it's already being positioned and it's natural that before and after care, which are the areas that were most impacted by the pandemic that are rising up now to Mm -hmm. pick up that fall area so that should we have a crisis of that nature, we're already equipped with what we need to carry on and continue our health care, both prior yeah. to a hospital visit and our aftercare. So that's that was a big theme, the telehealth and the telemedical. And mm-hmm. one of the speakers mentioned that there was a question mark around telemedical for a little while because we didn't know if it would continue to be billable 
after the pandemic peak period. That being billable service for the physicians, many more physicians are opening up and they come to Blue Prism. They talk to us about, can we set up the physician's mobile service? Can we set up how to draw in patients for their patient population? And those all fit very nicely with intelligent automation without having to put a lot of staff. And then whenever it comes to revenue cycle and billing, we just were able to spin up that portion of it uh, mm -hmm. with the same tools that we set up their digital front door and their intake. So you're seeing a high rise in the number of physicians that are moving to that care model from that mm. perspective as well. And that's even impacting the ones that we service. Right. You know, you mentioned that there were lots of startups at HIMS focused on different AI capabilities. And you mentioned clinical AI coupled with care pathways. What are maybe one or two other use cases for healthcare involving AI that you saw at the conference? Well, all of those were very exciting to me because especially with the clinical pathways being suggestive, the AI doing the suggestive thing and coming mm -hmm. back to the physicians, I, I found that very, very intriguing, but also in its ability to do auto coding. And so that kind of impacts where we're going with the revenue cycle. Because at the same time that the digital workers and AI coupled together are managing what is, as voice comes out, it's turned to speech, as AI picks up on the speech and queries the patient information, as well as matches it to the digital twin model of that by pulling in ever how many records it has access to. At the same time, we have swarms of digital workers that can also be looking at the medical coding aspect and bringing back data that goes directly into the patient record as to what is currently being diagnosed, what the mm -hmm. medical coding for that is, what is being prescribed, what the medical coding for that is. If any procedures or radiology is done, it can write back that. So these EMR systems are becoming very sophisticated through the use of the technology that we're doing. And what I saw most in the startups is maybe they just pinpointed one area. So I'm giving you a very broad view of what I see the possibilities are as each of those start to come in, because one of them might just be medical coding. One might just be suggested pathways based on the data sets that they were using for AI. But as we start to see all of that merge, we will see a very different viewpoint of care from an EMR perspective. Yep. That's what I envision. Anna, was there much talk about chat GPT at the conference? Oh, wow. It's everywhere. Those things that I just mentioned, some of it was all derivatives of OpenAI and the ability to capture information and database sets and things like that. And it's, it's a very big topic here at SSLC Blue Prism as well. We have a new asset on our DX that allows our digital workers to interact with chat GPT. And yes, everywhere we looked, there was something to do with, we're using chat GPT for AI to do this or do that. And it's not going away, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think it's only a forward and upward movement from where it is today as more medical knowledge, especially from the healthcare perspective, is made available. Even here, we're talking to John Hopkins University. We're talking to HHS and some in Harvard, some of the other medical schools that have huge amounts of medical data and information that's accessible. 
And with all of that information supplied through ChatGPT, it would be fantastic to be able to give that information back to the patients as to these are the realms of the possibilities mm-hmm. that, and these are how we can help you achieve your better outcomes. And I see nothing but better outcomes to patient disease treatments through all of this. Yeah. Okay. And uh, across the provider community that you talked to and heard from at the conference, what did you sense was their top priority in terms of process automation? You mentioned process automation. And when you think about that, A lot of them are just becoming introduced and they're only introduced to the AI aspect because it's popping up everywhere. Some of them still are not familiar with what RPA can do. And so there needs to be more community share of information on where to start. And obviously we have tools that help you get started in looking at processes. Revenue cycle still is a priority because Mm -hmm. I think that's where everybody looks they see people key in all the time in that department, right? Right. Uh, so if they see that that's the area most intense with manual labor, where there's a lot of keying going on and scraping of information from scans, inventory, revenue cycle, and uh, supply chain management, those areas where everybody's constantly scanning medications and stuff like that, those are going to crop up as highly manual in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that I've talked about today are all in the clinical realm. Where do we start to send them to identify some of this stuff? And there at the booth, we were showing our BPM product, Chorus. Some people were getting excited at, about, they were like, okay, so we're just now learning about how to automate processes. And then we see that you can automate many processes along mm-hmm. a single pathway, which is a ribbon of, you know, an entire ribbon. That's a huge chunk of cost savings. So some of the lights were starting to come on about how Mm -hmm. we can effectively manage this type of care, but at a lower cost factor. And that's that's really where we've been trying to get to in healthcare for many years. Mm. And I would think just based on the things you've been talking about, that scheduling and billing would still be big hotspots, especially for those that are just starting their journey. Is, is that what you see as well? Absolutely. Scheduling and billing. Those, those are the two hottest themes and have been continuously. So with that, we were addressing it with digital front door, automating everything in front office so that from scheduling and taking the co-pays and checking their benefits and all of those automated as a, as a single process with BPM, mm-hmm. we label that as digital front door. And then, of course, uh, automations that happen on the back end and the billing in the rev cycle area. There's so many different ways to approach that, but those are still leading the charge as far as the highest pain points that we see in the healthcare industry. Anna, you mentioned BPM now being part of our intelligent automation portfolio, and I know you're passionate about revenue cycle management and driving new efficiencies there. If a customer's starting from scratch, do you think BPM or RPA is the more appropriate place to start when tackling rev cycle? I think that BPM is at the top of the list. And I too am very excited about the fact that BPM is a part of our full suite now because I have envisioned from day one revenue cycle fully automated 
with a lot of those processes in play that we have been doing one-off automations. And I have seen business after business or company after company kick off and do revenue cycle and they target payment posting or they target denials management or they target one particular area of billing and coding. Whereas all of it has for years followed a path, an end-to-end workflow and an end-to-end path with all of those highlights and points in there that are labor-intensive being a part of the entire payment processing path. And so being able to look at it from a holistic point and say, we've already automated this, this, and this, but if we were to bring all of that together in an orchestration, there's a much smoother path where only the analysts will have to take those specialized cases that do not fit any particular model, but we can also streamline our quick pay path, right? Mm -hmm. So the path to quick pay if it fits the certain model in BPM would be much more efficient. The percentage of quick pays would be tremendously sped up, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that as a part of your strategy, looking at BPM as your outcome, where you want to get to, where do we want to get these quick pays through and processed is definitely a path that I would take. Mm -hmm. Okay. In a process mining has emerged in recent years as a significant player in automation in terms of identifying new opportunities, helping companies quantify the financial impact of automating those processes, and then also monitoring those processes even after they've been automated. Do you think healthcare companies in general are moving toward process mining at the same pace as other industries are. I know we're dealing with data that's more sensitive under more regulations. I'm curious to know if you're seeing them move in this direction, but at a little bit slower pace. They will choose to do it in some areas. They are not totally adverse to doing it, but slower on the uptick, especially whenever it comes to clinical processes. Those clinical Mm -hmm. processes and clinical pathways, a lot of them were designed by medical experts and physicians that do nothing but focus on patient outcomes and care pathways Mm -hmm. and how to set up hospitals to run in very specific and guarded areas that are there for patient satisfaction. And so to go back and mine their processes and look at the clarity is a little bit standoffish right? Mm -hmm. Where we will see them pick up on it is things such as RevCycle or if there's any processes that haven't been identified there and they want to get stronger or in supply chain management as well. Another common theme that was at HIMSS that also applies to this is looking at the analysis. How often are we doing this and is it impacting our business? Mm-hmm. Every single time you look in those areas, is this really a necessary process or can it be streamlined mm-hmm. to better perform? So the analysis piece and analyzing of data that show the mining experience and where areas of improvement, a slight little change mm-hmm. in the way you process the throughput of processes can impact the end results so largely, I guess, or mm-hmm. much more. Yeah. So that's another area. And of course, in enhancing the patient outcomes, after you've set your strategy and you're starting to look at the areas you want to see improvement, 
patient care and patient outcomes is always very high on the list because mm -hmm. what do we do? We care for sick people and we want to make sure that their lives are enhanced. So being able to take a look at our citizens at whole and how the processes that we do have in play right now are actually impacting the medical treatments where we possibly failed during the crisis of getting those treatment plans out there. Mm -hmm. I think that's why we're seeing so much more of the uptick for the virtual health community and mm -hmm. the processes that are going on in there is because we have done some process mining in those areas. Yeah. This is where our breakdown was. And so it definitely has demystified those particular areas and pointed to some highlights. So Anna, as we wrap up today, I, I, I want to ask you just to quickly touch on the focus group for healthcare customers that I know you've been involved in spearheading. Can you tell us more about this? All of our customers are interested in collaboration. Now, most often the question we get is, where are you doing this? Who has implemented this with success? Who has implemented it with success and then came back and modified or changed because it's a fast moving process that as you add to it, it becomes more and more and more. So they want to know from one customer to another where they have engaged before. And so some of our customers have gotten together and created focus groups that are, are based on collaboration and they meet monthly and there will be more news and information coming out about that. But they've started to collaborate highly. So in support of that, SSSC Blue Prism, we have developed our own community of user groups that can do Q&A and mm -hmm. have a chat community in our Blue Prism portal. And it is an area for us to start to collaborate on and look at what is going to be the hospital of the future. Where are these automations really going to lead us to? And I will be a part of that. And some of our other team members here that are heavily involved in working with our clinical healthcare groups, as well as our business healthcare groups. And we're available to answer some questions in there as well. Awesome. Anna, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's always great to talk to you and really appreciate you sharing what you picked up at the HIMSS conference. There's certainly a lot of things to be excited about as it relates to automation in healthcare. So thanks again, and I wish you the best. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.